When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, rugby boots and all. Let's go rugby boots and all. Uh, the magnificent Kayleigh Bell and the equally magnificent Tony Johnson from Sky Sport Rugby joins us now. TJ, welcome in. Hey, Steph. Nations Championship. Two pools of six, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. Gosh, we could talk about this for hours. What's your initial reactions? Oh, there's good and bad about it. Good in that it provides, it's a new competition. I presume that this is in part due to the increasing influence of the private equity companies and the stake that they've got in rugby and that they need uh, new products, I think, to generate for for them. I'm sure that's part of it. But it's something I think people have wanted for a while. Uh, It's sort of a, you know, an official world championship type of league. You know, there's, there's a lot of upside to it. Uh, The downside to it for me is that it's an exclusive group and teams are going to get shut out. And obviously, this part of the world, we look at the likes of uh, Samoa and and Tonga. Um, But in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, Georgia, who, by the way, have done really, really well um, in in the under-20s. You know, they're growing force in the game. It sort of slams the door shut on them. So I think they've got to work out a way so that these teams have got a chance to at least qualify for it in the future. So as I say, I think uh, good and bad, I think it'll inject um, some new internet in, um, meaning and some new interest in the international um, calendar that, that, that's probably needed, uh, as long as they get the dates right so that, that you know they fit in with all the countries with their needs and their seasons and what have you. Um, plenty to look forward to. As I say, I've just got that concern that once again, uh, you know, the, the elite uh, get something to play with, and the, the so-called developing nations or the smaller nations are shut out. That's not good. Have they, have they not floated the idea of a second-tier competition running at the same time from 2026 and they're looking at promotion relegation from you know the top second-tier comp plays well, the they, bottom? Well, they have. They have, yes. But, but it, it doesn't, the talks towards that don't seem anywhere near as advanced. Right. Uh, I, you know, it, I hope it's the case, but it, it still leaves them out of the elite tier if you like um so yeah if, if it's a genuine pr- uh, promotion relegation but you'll remember that the last time they tried to get something like this past go mm. certain nations in the northern hemisphere blocked it because of promotion relegation so unless the likes of scotland have had a complete turnaround in thinking uh, I, I just you know I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. We'll just see what transpires. Yes, true, true. Uh, Under-20s over there in South Africa. Disappointing New Zealand didn't make the semis. Um, But, geez, France looked damn good. Yeah, they looked sensational. And right from the word go, I thought this is the team that's probably going to win this competition. Uh, It just shows you how strong the French game has become. They are the strongest force in world rugby. They've got the best league. I don't think there's any question about that at the moment. Um, you know, it's financially solid. It's being played on uh, three tiers. It's well organised. Uh, they've done some very clever scouting. You know, they've gone to the South Pacific. They've seen all this raw potential uh, in French Polynesia. Uh, that's had an impact on their team. 
Um, but, but yeah, the whole French setup at the moment looks very imposing. Uh, and, and look, it's reflected in this under-20 side, and they, they were, were, were too good for New Zealand. In the end, look, um, there'll be disappointment that New Zealand, again, is not going to win this. And I think, was it, go back to 2017, was it the last time yep. New Zealand won it? I didn't think they were a chance. Uh, after watching them play against Australia, they split the series with Australia, quite a, a narrow and not particularly convincing win in the second game. And they got pushed all over the park, um, particularly at the scrum time by the Aussies. Uh, so, you know, they get there. I think the, the big problem was that they were still uh, trying to sort of, you know, hit their straps when they played Wales first up in awful conditions, scraped out a win there, and that's what's probably cost them in the end. I think if they played Wales again, they'd beat them comfortably, uh, and, and, and maybe their points for and against might, might be a better story. They were no match for France and too good for Fiji, uh, so, sorry, for uh, Japan. But in the end, I, th- I think it sucks a bit, really, Staffy, that they miss out to an England team that only won one game. Yeah, I do too. They, they had two draws. And and because they beat up on Fiji, had a, a better points for and against, and the draws didn't affect their you know, for and against adversely, uh, th- they get to go through. And even South Africa that qualifies from uh, the, the third pool, yeah, they, they got through on nine points. They didn't get any bonus points. So New Zealand... Uh, 10 points wasn't enough to get through. And I just, as I say, I, I'm sure they're very happy uh, as world rugby that England's going through. Uh, <laughs> but, but to me, it, it's, it, it's a, you know, I, I suppose if we'd got through in a system like that, we'd be thinking, oh, well, that, that's, that's the way it is. You know, that's the format. But uh, to me, that three-pull system, it, it, it's a bit manky, really. I, I, I wish they could find a way to get a proper four-pull system so that you didn't have to rely on countbacks and points for and against uh, to decide who your your fourth qualifier is. Mm. Um, I don't. Uh, Thirty forty minutes well, go. But just just before, sorry, just before yep. I finish on that, I, I've got to say though, uh, having written them off before the tournament, uh, you you got to give uh, kudos to to um, Clark Laidlaw and his team because they have improved their set piece immeasurably. Uh, it, it you know got better and better as, as it went on, uh, and the team improved as it went on, which, which says to me two things: that that coaches at that level are still having to do far too much basic technical and skill work with players that are coming out of our school system, missing vital tools to make them good rugby players. And and so again, that's that's another failing, another shortcoming of of, of what's going on at the schools. Great point. You know, props that can't scrummage have to be taught how to scrum. First fives who can't can only kick off one foot, that sort of thing. Mm. Yep, yep. Um, 30, 40 minutes ago, the All Blacks 15 team to take on the Japanese 15. I don't know whether you've had a chance to catch up with that team that's named, but boy, there's some good players in there, TJ. Do, the question is, do you think anyone from the New Zealand 15 can force their way into a World Cup squad? Uh, well, given that there's 36 players uh, in, in the, the All Black squad already, uh, you, you know, you'd need some injuries probably. They'll, they'll have to jettison three players from that All Black squad for the World Cup. And, you know, there, there's still a chance if, if a couple of players were to go down. And, and so they've got plenty to play for. And they're wearing the black jersey and they're representing their, their country in an international. It's an interesting mix, this one, isn't it? Because you've got players like... Uh, Brad Weber, who's desperately unlucky not to be in the All Blacks. 
Uh, you've got guys who probably, you know, Alex Nangual, for example, uh, Jack Good, do they heading off overseas? It's almost like, hey, thanks. Um, <laughs> you guys have done a great job. Um, but also, and, and you know, Akira Ioane is a player. You know, it, it, he's got an opportunity here uh, to, to, to make a point. Um, but there's also some, some young talent coming through there that you know are going to be all blacks in the future. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a worthy thing that they're doing. A, a, a Japan 15, which you'd imagine, uh, if, you know, the depth chart is anything to go by, they should be too good for. And then a match against the full Japan side, which next weekend, which uh, I'm actually calling that game. I'm looking forward to that. Mm, same. Um, South Africa is sending players straight to New Zealand, bypassing being around for the Australian Test match. What do we read into this? The Aussies are reading into it that they've been shown disrespect. Um, and I'd stay quiet about that until after the test, to be quite honest, because if you start accusing the Springboks of disrespecting them by putting out a, uh, you know, well, it's not a second string team, but it's a, a mixed bag of a team and they end up beating you, you're going to look a bit silly, aren't you? So I, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt that they are targeting uh, the All Black test uh, because that's where they're keeping a lot of powder dry. And this is not unusual in a World Cup year. We've seen this plenty of times in the past. In South Africa, probably uh, more than anyone, although the All Blacks certainly did it in the lead-up to the 2011 World Cup. Um, but there's some big names missing. I, I think they're, they're greater concern, South Africa. Sia Khaleesi, I understand he's going to come on the trip to New Zealand, um, but he's in major doubt for the World Cup. That would be a huge blow. And they're really worried about Andre Pollard, who's got this really troublesome calf injury. And the Springboks are not as good when those two aren't playing. They've also lost Oxen Chia, um, their big prop, who's out for the whole uh, championship. But look, you, you look at the other guys who, who are on the plane to come to New Zealand early. Malcolm Marks, even it's a bit. He's another one who's had a few injury issues, although. Uh, Lou Diaga, Damien Delende, Fafta Clerk. Uh, it, it's pretty clear what, what they're going to try and pull, uh, pull off they hopefully will, will get a win against um, Australia and then get a real morale-boosting win against the All Blacks with something very much a lot closer to their strongest team. In World Cup year, uh, this truncated competition, uh, the, the, the compact nature of it definitely favours the teams playing at home first because, you know, it, it's easier to make these sorts of calls. So, um, you know, the, the Springboks here, I, I think they are just, you know, going to see if they can, can muddle out a win against uh, Australia first up and, and then throw everything at the All Blacks in, in the game at Mount Smart. Yeah, I'm just I'm wondering about the, the Springbok psyche. Like They're obviously targeting the, the, the game at Go Media Stadium in Mount Smart, uh, knowing that they're going to be in Argentina, a six-day turnaround, plus they have them in a warm-up game at Twickenham before the World Cup. And maybe they're saying, if we can go bang, bang on the All Blacks and then we go to the World Cup, they're going to be looking at us. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. that you know, it, it, it's, there's a lot of manoeuvring, shadow boxing uh, that, that goes on in a, in a World Cup year. Uh, and it just depends what you know the coaches see as, as the priority. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how the All Blacks uh, approach this whole thing. You know, they could easily have left players back in New Zealand to do the same thing, to be here uh, sleeping, or well, not if, if not in their own beds, at least sleeping in their own country and, and getting set. But, you know, the call has been made. No, we're, we're, we're taking well, most everyone to Argentina. We want the whole squad together. And... Uh, 
you know, I, I, you can see why they might do that. It's just about building towards the, the, the big prize at the end of the year. Look, in, in World Cup year, um, the rugby championship, as I was, I was on um, Rugby Nation the other night, with, um, and I said this to, 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 to Taylor, I think whoever wins it in World Cup year should probably have an asterisk beside it because of the of this manoeuvring that goes on. I think for the All Blacks, to me, the Bledisloe Cup is probably the number one priority. You don't want to be losing that in a World Cup year because you know about how, how much of a boost that would be uh, for Australia and how deflating it might be for the All Blacks. So I wonder whether that's their major priority. You've been with the All Blacks before to Argentina and you've witnessed the passion and the atmosphere. We had Frankie Davis on the show yesterday. I think he said the All Blacks have never played in Mendoza. He thinks that's an intentional thing. Um, they've been very quiet with the press. Michael Check has got them in. He said he's got completely every single ear um, of the Argentinian team. They absolutely love him. They absolutely are going to play for them. Can passion get them through this Sunday? Oh, for sure it can. Um, you know, that's the one thing they still have yet to do. Yes, they, they beat the All Blacks in Australia, then they beat them here. They haven't beaten them on, on home soil. If the All Blacks have played in Mendoza before, it would have had to have been on one of those tours, uh, maybe 1976, or I think they had another one about 1990 uh, to Argentina. But they've never played a test match up there. Staffy, if, if you were to fly to Buenos Aires, you'd, you'd be almost a quarter of the way home by the time you got to Mendoza. Because it's a, <laughs> It's it's a, a two-hour flight back west. Uh, I, although I suspect they'll just fly to Santiago or the flight fly to Santiago and, and, and hopped over the the Andes, um, which is always a nice one to get out of the way. Flying over the Andes, sports yes. teams have had trouble with that before. Yes, um, they have. Yeah, um, but but you're you're right up in the foothills of the Andes. Uh, it's great wine-growing country, but it's you know it's great big slabs of red meat country as well, and it's real hardcore rugby territory. The air is a bit rarefied. Um, you know, the uh, the crowd is, is very, very passionate. And I imagine it'll be a it'll be a great test for this all black team to play there. And I think it's just will be very much about keeping their composure. Uh, we know um, the Argentinians you can understand why they would have uh, a guy like Michael Checker would appeal to them because there's a lot of emotion through their blood as well. They get well fired up and he's just the man to do it. And he, he, I'm sure he would love uh, to, to get another one up over the All Blacks in this game. It just makes for a fascinating opening weekend, doesn't it? There's, as I say, a lot of ducks and drakes and bobbing and weaving going on, and that's, that's part and parcel of a World Cup year. And I guess until we see Ian Foster's team name, which I'm picking will be tomorrow morning, um, there's still so many questions unanswered, and I still think there'll be a heap of questions unanswered, even on that naming of about who is our ten, who is our nine, who is our midfield, what is our loose four trio. There's still going to be questions, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be answered by this selection uh, because obviously he's got to bear in mind that a number of his frontline players were involved in a real ding dong battle to uh, decide Super Rugby this year. So you you would expect that. There wouldn't be a lot of players from that game. Some will have to, I'm sure. I think he's got to put like one of his frontline locks into this game. You'd have to think so. Uh, but, you know, do we expect to see Bowden Barrett playing at 10? And in which case, who's, who's his fullback? Does he start with Damien McKenzie? I really hope uh, to see Sean um, Stevenson get a run. And, and I guess the... Uh, decision to leave Will Jordan behind might make that a little bit of an easier decision to make. But, yeah, uh, they'll still 
you know, having trained together as an entire squad, as an entire group, uh, I think there will be a sense, look, doesn't matter who he puts on the field, we're all in this together, and that, that should help them as well. That, that's probably the upside of taking a, lot of, a, a whole lot of them over there. Mm. Melbeck wines originate from Mendoza. There we go. They do. Yeah, they do, and and they're pretty good, Staffy. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had the odd one. <laughs> cheeky good, cheeky good. Oh, TJ, I know yeah. you're calling the game for us here in New Zealand. Do enjoy it. We'll enjoy watching and listening to you, mate. It's going to kick off our international season. Can't wait. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Tony Johnson. He'll bring you the call. All Blacks against Argentina. That is Sunday.